Headliner Radio, the creative voice. Hello and welcome to the Headliner Radio podcast. Today I'm delighted to be speaking to singer-songwriter, musician and record producer, the lovely Linda Perry. She was the lead singer and primary songwriter of Four Non-Blondes and has since founded two record labels uh, and composed and produced hits for many other big-name artists, uh, which we're going to be talking about today. And she's just released her own music for the first time in 15 years. Linda, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm great. Thank you very much. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, it's uh, it's a pleasure to be chatting to you today, actually. it's um, Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, you're absolutely, you're so welcome. Um, where are you joining us from today, Linda? I'm in my house in, uh, I live in Los Angeles. I'm in the Valley. I'm a Valley person. Mm-hmm. Nice. And um, like three miles down is my studio. So cool. I walk to my studio all the time and it's really awesome. Great. That's great. Have you, have you been managing to get in and out of the studio okay? Obviously with restrictions and stuff, I don't know how things are over there at the moment. Um, but has it been okay for you logistically wise, you know, getting in and out of the studio, getting work done? Well, Colby, honestly, this um, isolation, um, quarantine has doesn't really affect my life that much because I don't really go out. I don't have many friends. I go to the studio all the time. It's my studio. So I can, you know, walk there, go do what I need to do, come home. Um, The only place that I feel any kind of restrictions is really, you know, um, for my son, you know, not being able to, you know, take him to normal places. And, um, but from a work point of view, it's been working for me. And then at my studio, I have um, a separate entrance to this one room where I do vocals. So when I have somebody come down to the studio, they just go around the studio, come into that separate a- entrance. And then what stands between us is a big, you know, glass, you know, soundproof wall and I can see them and we're on headphones. And so it's, it's actually been fine. I've been keeping busy working, you know, um, so there's a lot to do and the the world is, the pandemic's not slowing me down any. That's good. That's good to hear. Yeah. Um, I think that's, that's the main thing. I mean, that was the next thing I was going to ask you, are you managing to kind of keep yourself busy and and stay productive? Cause a lot of guys and girls have been struggling obviously during Mm -hmm. this time. Um, but that's good. That's good that um, that things are that's yeah, and that, over. and that is yeah, that part is sad for you know a lot of artists because you know I mean I ha- I manage artists. I have at the time I had three artists that were going to go out on the road. You know, so in those areas, it's so sad to see how the pandemic is affecting the music business, small businesses, um, people's health. I mean, it's. You know, it is a nightmare. It's terrible. It's like a fucking sci-fi movie we're living right now. And, um, you know, I keep the other day was funny, not funny, but I was, you know, because I I'm one of those people that like if it's in a movie, it's going to happen in real life somehow. But I started watching some movie the other day about it was what's his name? Will Smith. I think it was called I Am Legend. Mm. And I. I wanted to watch it so I could get some clues. Like I was like, you know, in this weird frame of mind, I'm like, oh, I'm going to watch this movie and see if there's any kind of clues of what's coming, you know, to head. And then the first thing is, you know, this doctor 
um, you know, has a cure for cancer and that cure for cancer turns into a virus that wipes out 90% of the population. And I just like, was like, Oh my God, why did I watch this yeah. silly, silly <laughs> movie? Anyways, I shut it off after that. I was yeah. like, okay, I can't do that. Uh, yeah. It's easy to drive yourself mad a little bit with some of these, yeah. uh, some of these things, but um, no, it is. I'll make you right. Linda. It's, it is like something out of a, a sci-fi film what's been going on and uh yeah it's just crazy times that i mean there does seem to be some sort of light at the end of the tunnel now with the vaccine program and stuff um so you know i don't want to dwell on it too much uh because like you say it's kind of it just kind of brings you down if you think about it too much but um you know hopefully we return to some sort of normality soon and shows can resume and all that kind of stuff so yeah um i mean yeah before we talk about uh what you've been up to more recently Linda I'd like to um go back a bit um quite a bit and and find out a little bit about you know who you were listening to growing up and some of your early musical influences um and I'd like to talk about uh Four Non Blondes in a moment but yeah who were you listening to growing up Linda and, and who do you feel like has had sort of throughout your career who's had like the biggest impact on your artistry would you say I, you know, like I'm one of those people that I don't really look back at music or cert, scratch that, a certain person, a certain artist, a certain band that has influenced me because I didn't really grab on too much. Like I still don't listen to too much music. Um, I've always been a weirdo that way. So, but if I, you know, if there's key things, I remember, you know, my mom bringing home the jungle book soundtrack, you know, long time ago, you would go to a record store and there would be booths and you could bring a record in and listen to it to see if you wanted to buy it. It was like the preview, you know, that in, you know, the uh, stores where you push buttons and you, you hear headphones. Sure, yeah. Well, this, you'd actually take the album in there in this booth, like it looked like a vocal booth and you would sit in there and you could listen to records all day. And, um, so I remember, you know, I was doing that and then my mom and I wanted the jungle book, but she gave the jungle book to my brother <laughs> and she gave me Cinderella. And I was so bummed out because I loved the jungle book. I thought the music, something about all the music in there, the melodies, um, really gravitated. I was just like my ear just shoot. Um, so I made a trade with my brother, you know, I said I would give him all my desserts and he can have my Cinderella, you know, album. If I could have the jungle book, you know, he didn't give a shit about the jungle book. So he was like, yeah, sure. Sucker. You know, he would have <laughs> gave it to me for free. Um, but that was probably one of the first things that I heard that I felt like I needed to have. Mm -hmm. And then the next one was, um, there was this song um, by the Letterman brothers called, you know, can't live living without you. Right. And, sure. um, yeah. and I used, I had this very, a cubby in my, my, my bedroom where it was like a little crawl space. And I had that record. I got the 45 and I would sit in there and listen to that song over and over and over in that room and crying because there was something melodically again about that song that just made me weepy and then the third one and she's pretty prominent was the carpenters um karen carpenter Absolutely. because i was like 
I don't know. I was maybe six or seven, eight years old, something like that. And I remember watching TV and I hear this song, you know, you know, why do birds suddenly appear, you know, and, and then all of a sudden I'm hearing drums and, and I'm, and I can't, and I, I can't find the singer. So I'm looking, it's one of those old school, I don't even know what it was like Dick Cavett or something crazy, you know, um, and I'm looking for the singer. And then I discovered the singer is the drummer. And it's a, you know, the girl is the, the drummer is a girl and she's the singer. And that blew me away. Like I was obsessed, like, because, you know, you didn't see girls at, on drum sets, you know, mm-hmm. you saw, you know, women in really tight dresses with, you know, very foofy hairdos and Karen Carpenter, her voice was, even though she was singing about birds it was like her voice was saying something completely different. Mm -hmm. If you blocked out what she was saying and just listened to the tone of her voice, like I related to her so much because I heard in that tone, a very sad, very depressed, very dark person. And I was very sad, very dark, depressed, you know, and I just immediately locked into her voice And that to me still, Karen Carpenter still to this day is one of my biggest emotional inspirations. Musically, no, you know, although Carpenter's wrote amazing songs, but musically I wasn't quite identifying, but emotionally I was just like, she was like, there is a whole other, if if this were a movie, I would be putting on close to you and then the audience, the viewers would hear the song start, mm. but then you would go, then the movie would go into my head and there would be a whole other song playing than what the audience is hearing. You know, like that's how it was for me. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. I can, I can relate to that, that emotional connection as well. Um, that it's, you know, that impact that it's had on you. I mean, um, when, when was the, when was the point when you actually, um started with four non-blondes linda and and obviously that was um must have been a pivotal moment in in your career um starting out with you know in that band and uh, is there any particularly memorable moments um from that time um that kind of really stick out in your mind that that had like a really defining kind of aspect on your on your career well the thing about Four Non Blondes was I didn't really, you know, they, they kind of found me and okay. I, um, I was, uh, they were in a band, the band itself was in another band with another singer. And then I was in San Francisco going around to clubs with my guitar, asking clubs if I could play. Everybody always laughed at me. They, you know, I had no demo. I had nothing. And I just had, you know, like this very ballsy attitude. And I remember showing up at the night break, I being Paradise Lounge, The Stone. I mean, every Berkeley, you know, um, everywhere i was just showing up and then one day this guy from this club called the night break on hate street 
called me up and he was like, and I could tell he was reluctant, <laughs> but he was all, Hey, it's Mark from the night break. And I was like, yes. And he said, um, listen, a band canceled the opening act and I don't have an opening act. And you said you play acoustic and you could just jump on stage and play a set. Right. And I'm like, Yes. And before, literally, before he could hang up the phone, I was like literally on my way there. And he laughed how fast I got there. And, um, and so I got up state on stage and I performed and that performance, I got a big review in the night break. I mean, in the, um, San Francisco weekly and friends and the people in the bar, I showed up, you know, the next week and they're like, we've been fucking playing this fucking city for like a year and haven't been able to get in the weekly, you play one stupid show and you're, you make it in there. <laughs> and, you know, I was good, you know, and nobody was doing what I was doing. I was getting up singing very aggressively with mm -hmm. an acoustic guitar. And so for, you know, that was like 98, you know, 97, I was doing that 96, maybe. And, uh, no, what am I talking about? 87, um, 88, God, I went back in time. Um, that was like 87, 88, I was doing that. And then um, up to 89. And then then I, I just started having a big career around town, you know, being opening up for artists. And then the band showed up. I was at, at the night break. It was like where I hung out all the time. And they showed up and they're like, hey, will you come see us? Because we would love to see if you wanted to join our band. And I'm just like total snobby, just like going, I'm doing great. Why would I <laughs> want to join your band? And so and I ended up going to see them and I thought, oh, this could be fun. So I did join the band like reluctantly because I said, listen, I'm going to keep my solo career. I'm going to keep my songs for my my solo I'll sing your guys' songs. So I started off singing their songs for like four months. And then I just honestly didn't like their songs. So I started slowly bringing my songs in. And then, I mean, before I could even think about it, um, we, I think it was um, 90, end of 90. I mean, we barely formed and we already had lines going around the block and labels checking us out. Like it was like less than a year we were together. Yeah, incredible, really, what you achieved in that time, I think. Um, and it all sounds like a bit of a happened a bit like a bit of a whirlwind moment. Like everything just happened really quickly, like kind of snowballed from from like you say, you know, going to clubs with your guitar and trying to get shows. And then all of a sudden, you know, a chance meeting. Sometimes it just happens like that, right? Yeah, I mean, that part was just kind of moving along. And then when we made the record, that's when, you know, everything shifted for me. Like, once we started getting into the record, I started realizing, uh-oh, I may have made a mistake, you know. And because I, you know, and I, I know fans of Four Non Blondes doesn't, don't really like hearing this, but I really struggled with the record. Um, I don't like the record. I don't like the way it sounds. It doesn't sound like me. I call her her. Like I can't even listen to that record. It's so unbearable to my ears because I don't like the way I was singing. I don't feel like, I feel like somebody gave me the rain to go at a hundred the whole time. And that's what I did. It's like, I turned on, went all the way to 10 
and just stayed there throughout the whole record. And then when the record was done, it's like I shut myself off, you know, but what's up, you know, is the, you know, story that we grab onto because what's up was the very interesting situation that happened during that time. I couldn't save the record, but I could save what's up. That, that song was disastrous the way it was recorded. I mean, it was ridiculously bad. It was so terrible. And I was like, okay, I can't save the album, but I'm fucking saving that song. (laughs) So I got the band. We went into the plant in um, San Francisco. I have no experience whatsoever, but I knew what I needed to hear for the song and went had a great engineer there dialed in the sounds with him we recorded three takes. We, we only had one reel of tape. So we had to choose which one we were going to, you know, record over, yeah, you yeah. know, and we get the take. And then the producer shows up like late night. Um, and it's like, Hey, you know, I got here as fast as I could. I'm like, no one asked you to come, <laughs> you know, and we recorded it ourselves. We got the take. I got the sounds myself. We um, comped my vocal. I just did three takes of the vocal, comped it really quick, mixed it, and it made it for mastering the next day. That version is the song that's on the album. That's That's the the version that, you know, blew up all over the place. And, you know, so again, like I said, I couldn't save the album, but I could save that song. Yeah. And I'm I'm proud to say that I did. Yeah. Yeah. And thank God you did, because... I mean, it's a timeless track. I know you probably hear this all the time, Linda, but um, I mean, thank God you did save it uh, because it's been, um, I mean, I was, I've been listening to it nonstop this week. Um, now, when did you, when you would go in solo, Linda, sort of early 2000s, were you producing as well at that time? Is that when you started um, collaborating a lot with, with other artists um, sort of straight after for non-blondes when was the sort of transition when you first started you know writing for other artists well after you know that situation I went back to my again you know I was not an experienced person but I knew I already had it in me like I already knew about sounds like I was just very instinctive for me yeah yeah and I you know after I did that version, I went to the label and went to my manager and said, I feel like I should have production credit on this. I mean, I produced this song and everybody declined and said, no, you know, you can't have it. You know, why don't you just be proud that you saved the song and, and, you know, you did what you did for the band and as an artist, you know, that fucking happened today. People would be like, there would be, that would never happen. Yeah, you know, that, yes. like I produced that that's song crazy. and that's it. Point blank. You know, David Tickle did not produce that song. I, Linda Perry did. So what that did though, to me, it started me off on that will never, ever happen again, because I know my worth. I know what I bring. And that experience was life-changing because I'm such a baller and a badass that it's just like, that's never, okay. Oh, okay. That's the way it works. That's never going to happen ever again to me. And it never did happen to me again. And then after that, I kind of, you know, I started losing interest in four non-blondes because to me, it was just like one dimensional, you know, and I, you know, bought a bunch of recording equipment. And I started, um, I put a studio in my warehouse in San Francisco and 
then I started inviting bands that I liked, you know, local bands that I supported and said, hey, come on in. I'm going to make a demo for you. And that's kind of how I started really producing and helping people with their songs. I wasn't, you know, I would write parts and give it to them. Mm -hmm. You know, I would uh, rearrange songs. I would add things. And, and I was a natural. I was really good. And then I moved to, to Los Angeles. And that's when I really was like, okay, this is how I'm going to start going. And then I started writing songs. And then I wrote that song for, you know, I wrote a song, Get the Party Started, pre-Pink, and um, produced it. So not my style, obviously, you know, and then met Pink and played the song to her and that was her first single and then that was the beginning of my producer songwriter journey okay and what a what a starting point that is i mean again that track um is just super nostalgic for me uh thinking about kind of those early 2000s pop records um that i was just listening to you know watching on mtv and stuff but um You've also worked with Christina, um, beautiful, uh, huge track, um, and you know, incredible vocal on there, um, and just again, pretty iconic, really. Um, and I was talking to uh, my colleague Paul uh, earlier, and he said that um, he heard something about you know the process when you were working with Christina on that record, um, and kind of encouraged her to use the more scratched vocal and the more raw kind of energy of the performance and leave a bit of the, the emotion and, and the dynamic in there. Um, tell us a little bit about that and, and kind of your approach when, when working with, with some of these artists with these huge, powerful vocals. Well, you know, the thing about me is, you know, I'm very raw. I'm very real. Um, and, you know, one of the things about music that I really have struggled with in modern times is people really not going there emotionally, being too afraid to have a crack or an out-of-tune note. You know, mm. one of my favorite guitar players is Neil Young. Neil Young, whether you're a fan or not, if you listen or ever watch him live, he is the most... I mean, like you can't take your eyes off of him because you don't know what's going to happen with his shows. Like Neil Young doesn't ever play the same solo twice. Never. He doesn't play the songs the same way. Mm -hmm. And it's like when he does a solo, like you're barely, I mean, he barely makes it up to the note and you're like rooting for him. You're like, it's the underdog, you know, like you want him to bend it up there, you know, and he's got the weirdest voice, but you don't care. It's emotional. It's expressing a feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, and I believe in that, you know, that's what the seventies was really great for. Seventies was all heart. It was fucking in every genre, country, R and B rock and roll pop. It was all heart. 
you mm, know, mm, mm. and it just, you know, the musical, the melodies, the lyrical content, it was real. It was fucking raw, man. Mm, mm, mm. And, um, and so I'm not nostalgic about music. I just want you to understand that I'm nostalgic about emotions. Mm. You know, I miss those type of hardcore emotions that people used to have in music, the breakdowns, the freakouts, the stopping in the middle of the show to just go, fuck you, man. You know, what the fuck, you know, whatever, you know? So anyway, so for me, um, you know, I think that with Christina, it was like, I had to, I had to, from me, I had to walk away with something real from such a big artist. And the only way I could do that was, you know, to trust her emotion. So when she heard the song for the very first time um, and she said she wanted it, I was a little, I was very reluctant on that, you know, and, but I was like, okay, you know, my manager, you know, at the time said, why don't you just let her sing it and see what happens? I'm like, okay, fair enough. So I let her come in the studio, gave her the lyrics. She already had a demo of it that I laid down. So she was familiar, but I gave her the lyrics. I let her bring a friend in, which I'm very, I don't let anybody come into the studio. It's like the artist only. I don't like managers. I don't like posses, no distractions at all. And, but this particular moment, I let her bring her friend in because she was like, you know, can I just please bring my best friend in? Yes. Okay. She, I start the song, she's ruffling around with the paper. And then she says to her friend, you know, don't look at me. And as soon as she said that, I knew the song was hers and that she was about to give me the most vulnerable vocal that I think Christina Aguilera was ever going to give. And she did. She nailed it. Mm. I mean, emotionally was spot on. And I had to fight for seven months to keep that vocal. And she kept on wanting to come in and redo it. I know it better. And I said, that's the problem. You know it better. And you're going to oversing. You didn't know the song. And it's so vulnerable. For seven months, this girl tried to get into the studio. So one day, and all we did is we had to punch in on the bridge because the bridge we didn't define yet. And then I let her punch in the bridge and that was it. Mm. And then, um, and then um, she was like, please, just let me try singing it one time. And I'm like, okay, because we are working on another song. And I'm like, okay. So I let her step up to the microphone. And instantly within the first 30 seconds, she was already over singing. I shut off them. I shut off record. I stopped. And she's like, what? And I'm like, you're fucking already blowing it. And she's like, you're right. You know, and started laughing. And then that was it. And then she finally let me have that vocal, you know, and I was like, right. And that fucking song you know, it's an incredible is, song, you know, it's an incredible song. And so many people heard that emotion from her. And, um, you know, I think it really helped boost her career in that level because people who didn't like Christina loved her because of the song. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, before that she was doing quite kind of, um, 
dance around poppy kind of records uh genie in a bottle and, yeah. and think and, things like and that she, but the thing is um, she, she's great christina's awesome like that girl talk about a force like christina pink you know legendary status those two alicia moore and christina aguilera like that their voices you know to me i've worked with the best voices out there the with those two Mm, you know, mm, and mm. because of the range, the range that they have, both of them, the lows and the highs, Absolutely. like Christina and Alicia can dip down low. And for women, it's very hard. And they both have incredible falsettos. So it's hard for to be a woman singer. It's hard to be any singer to one, have rich lows, um, warm highs and a, a falsetto. Yeah. Like that's very rare for a one artist to have all three of those things. Yeah. Yeah. So you struck gold then when you, when you worked with Pink yeah. and Christina in a short space of time as well. Um, yeah. Which, well, back to back, it was yeah, pretty amazing I mean, for me. That's, yeah. I mean, I was about to say, Linda, that must've been pretty incredible. It says a lot for your kind of rapport at the time that you'd built, you know, with the industry and, and people knowing that you were, you know, they wanted to come to you to write these records. Um, which well, is also awesome. too, can I just state like yeah. back then, I mean, uh, all up until like, I would say maybe 2010 labels were signing artists, singers, real singers mm, mm. around 2007, 2010, they stopped signing real artists. They started signing brands. Yeah. And, and trends and artists that can't sing a note, you know, a uh. fucking note. And that's why auto tune showed up, mm. you know, cause if you think about it, where did auto tune show auto tune showed up, you, you can map it out where it actually really showed up. And it is around that era two six, two seven, and then labels stopped signing real artists. Mm. And that's the truth because you know, for whatever reason. And, and that's kind of when I like 2010, maybe 2012, I started drifting off a different direction because the people that were coming to me, the first thing I would say is, okay, let me hear you sing a song. Well, you didn't, you get my demos. I'm like, yeah, I did get your demos, but I want to hear you sing those songs now and in person. Mm. And they, they couldn't, they couldn't sing them. And then I just lost, you know, all attraction towards that, you know, and try to find artists that could sing and that were real artists. And that's what I've been doing, you know, yeah. since yeah. then. Yeah. Sounds like you sort of got to a point of disillusionment with, with the overproduction of everything and the kind oh, of... Oh, yeah. Got yeah. fucking 120. Like there's some artists that had 120 fucking vocal takes. How, if you don't fucking get it in five, listen, dude, you ain't going to be getting it in, at 119. <laughs> Why even bother? And it's like, it's it was ridiculous. It. Like the tracks, putting two Pro Tool systems together to, to build a track. It's like, are you fucking crazy? Like, what is wrong with, you know, I didn't get it. Mm. And now mm. we've come back, you know, 2020, you know, um, 2000, um, the, let me say 2016, 2017, things started kind of coming back, you know, not being as crazy, you know, but it's still, you still 
don't know what you're getting mm-hmm. when you're listening to an album right now, or should I say just a song because there's really no albums, but when you're listening to a song or an artist, I don't, what's, what are we really getting here? What's the truth behind these, these tracks? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, th- I, I, I can relate to exactly what you're saying. Um, having spoke to, uh, all kind of artists and producers who have this, you know, there's, there's that argument isn't there of, of the, um, of, of how things have gone in the music industry um, compared to the, the, the kind of old way of doing things. And that does seem to be coming back a little bit, like you say. Um, and I mean, I just want to talk about some of the, some of the art of artists you've worked with Linda, because, you know, we've mentioned a couple of them already, Pink and, and Christina, um, but you've also worked with Gwen Stefani um, and contributed to Adele's album, Alicia Keys, you mentioned. Um, you signed James Blunt there in the US uh, to your label, which is uh, pretty cool. You know, Custard bit... Records, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, there's a lot of really powerful female artists you've, you've worked with, um, as I've already mentioned. Um, but have you, do you find that, or have you found historically that you've always been drawn more to the female vocal when you're collaborating and writing music or, or not necessarily, does it just kind of have these artists just kind of fell into your lap that way? You know, that to me is just fate, you know, because why I'm good with female artists and it was not a, a direction choice. It was just, that's what came. Sure, sure. It's because one, um, none of these people there, there wasn't, someone and there isn't still that believe it or not there's not another woman that does what i do i write the songs i produce i engineer and i can play everything mm-hmm. and um you know um and i'm a singer and i'm a great singer and i can help guide voices so I can pull out things. I know I'm a great vocal teacher. I don't, I'm, that's not my profession, mm-hmm. but in the studio, I'm, it's, I can really pull out great vocals um, because I go for this, a very emotional side. So mm-hmm. there is no women, woman right now doing what I do. That's not an artist, you know, like sure. there's, you know, there's people like Beyonce that produce and, you know, do what they do, but there's not a female that's doing what I do. And one that's pretty astonishing to me that there's no, there's not more women like me. Um, and, and, you know, I love working with men, you know, women, they just, you know, I get it because I can help provide a vocal that they're not used to. And on top of it, women don't get to work with women, Mm. you know, in a studio, it's a bunch of fucking dudes, you know, sorry, this is not a, this is not a, you know, cause mind you, I actually prefer hanging with guys, but it's really amazing that the studio is just filled with a bunch of dudes and it's not sexy. It's not sexy at all for a girl to come in because, and here's the other thing that a lot of producers don't do. And what I do. So forget females, but I can just take it to a producer. There's not many producers that do what I do uh, um, um, completely because a lot of producers, they don't engineer. They don't know how to write songs. 
they don't sing, they've never been an artist, you know, and they don't play instruments. Oddly, can you believe it? A lot of producers mm -hmm. don't even play an instrument. So the fact that I can engineer, play, do all this stuff makes me very attractive, mm -hmm. you know, because for a girl too, because it's like, oh shit, a chick that can do all of that. Yeah. And it's such a different energy because in my studio, oh, and I'm doing it by myself. Yeah. I don't have, I don't have a, a guy sitting at the An NPC yeah. doing the programming. I don't have another dude sitting over there ready to play all the guitars Like there's a lot of guys when you're working with a man, there's a lot of men in there mm, mm, because mm. they have their little man squad, you know, of guys that are there to do their engineers are guys, their, um, their, their players are men. So a girl is walking into a very, you know, intimidating situation with yeah. a bunch of guys, yeah. you know, because, and then I know a lot of these guys, they're very self-obsessed. Like, mm, oh, mm. I'm the best. I'm the best. I'm the best. And all they're doing is taking things out of a, a file out of their computer. Like, listen to this track. Mm, Fucking. Yeah. And they and they go like this. Fuck, that's killing, dude. <laughs> Fuck. I mean, I mean, I know it looks like I'm over dramatic, but it's the truth. Yeah, yeah. I've been in those rooms. It's a fucking bunch of dudes patting each other's asses, telling them how fucking bad dope their track is. I can fuck with that. I fuck with that. That's fucking dude. Fucking blah, 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 dude, you know, and it's fucking like, it's a joke. It's out of yeah. a fucking, you know, Ted and, you know, what's a fucking, what the Bill and Ted, Ted and Bill and Ted movie, you know? And so yeah. I provide like this whole other energy. Mm. I am badass. I'm a, I'm very dude. I am. I have mm -hmm. a very man, masculine personality, but, I'm safe. I provide um, security. I make sure that they are heard. Every artist that I work with, mm -hmm. I make sure number one, that they feel heard because, and then on top of it, I don't bring my sound. Mm -hmm. If you look at my, my music, if you look at from four non blondes to everything I have done to date to 2021, you will not find a pattern. You mm -hmm. will not find a format. It's very random. I've gone from, I like, that, like I said, Alicia Keys to Cheap Trick. You know, I've to, been from uh, Cheap un Trick unwritten to... Law. Unwritten Law. You know, Unwritten Law. Great band. I mean, and I've worked with, you know, Sam Smith to Gavin Rosdale. I've worked with, you know, um, you know, uh, bands that haven't made it from like full on punk bands to, to Dixie chicks, mm. you know, to mm. faith, you know, um, uh, Hill, yeah. you know, yeah. to fucking Dolly Parton, <laughs> you know, Actually, and, and yeah. there is no pattern for me. I am all over. This girl is fucking all over the fucking genre map because I can, because I operate from heart and passion and i don't need to know country to play it mm. all i need to know is that emotion and that's the key to everything if ev if anybody wanted any kind of advice from me about you know how to switch genres it's like you don't you just genres is a sound mm. but you can be exactly who you are and switch to country and just stay with the same emotional content And twang 
you know, to meddle, it doesn't matter if your emotion is in, uh, is in, is connected. Yeah. You can yeah. jump any genre. It's sound metal. All those genres are a sound mm. change, mm-hmm. not an emotional one. The motion, the thread emotion carries through every genre, but anybody, if you know about production, all that shit is, it's like, oh, instead of using an electric guitar, I'm going to use a dobro and a slide. Now I'm country. Mm. Instead of using real drums and real keyboard, I'm going to use Rhodes and an MPC. Now I'm R&B, urban. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just like, but the soul is the fucking yeah, same. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I find it fascinating that you've you know, you've uh, kept yourself open in that sense to working with so many different artists in so many different genres. And like you say, as long as the emotion's there, um, you're going to produce something that people connect with uh, on an emotional level. Um, Now, uh, we haven't got much time left, actually, Linda, unfortunately. Um, But I wanted to play a little bit. I wanted to play a little bit of your new track, if that's all right, before I let you go. Yes, of Um, course. It's called The Letter. Um, and I'm going to play a little bit for our listeners now so they can get a little, um, a little idea of the vibe. And then I'll come back to you very shortly. Uh, and we'll talk about, uh, quickly how you kind of approach the track in a creative sense. a beautiful sound to it linda it's um obviously thank you obviously it's very stripped back um your vocals incredible and just very raw like the emotion that we've we've already spoke about and then obviously the strings come in and there's some lovely instrumentation in there um just curious to know how you approach this one was it a case of you know starting with a few lyrics or with the melody or you know how how did this one come together and was it and was it also weird for you um you know putting out the first song in in a long time was it you know did you approach this a little bit different to 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 perhaps previous projects so i um first of all this came from a film so what i've been doing is scoring 
That's what I jumped into. I've always wanted from that Jungle Book day. I've always been attracted to musicals, soundtracks, and、um, I knew one day after you know I'm tired of writing songs for people that I would venture into doing film. That's what、um, the pandemic brought to me was you know.、Um, Ma- validating that okay, it's time to make that switch now, and、um, so I scored this film called Kid Ninety. It's on Hulu, and it's a documentary about this you know child star named Soleil Moon Fry. She was in Punky Brewster, and it's all camcorder. Like her friends were Leonardo DiCaprio, all the kids from Nine Hundred Two One Zero, the kids from the movie Kids. Um, Andrew Dorff, Jenny Lewis, you know、um, Stephen Dorff, all these like major stars are in this film when they were just kids, and so the whole film is a, you know that camcorder,、mm. um, all this. It's it's fascinating.、Awesome. It's a, an incredible watch because she was the original IG story. You know she was doing this. You know, in early '90s, capturing all this content and made a film out of it. So, at the end of the movie, a 16-year-old Soleil Moon Fry wrote a letter to her adult self, asking herself, "Hey, I hope you're happy.、Mm-hmm. I hope you found love. You know what a journey. You know, I, I'm I'm excited to know where you've been, what you've done. You know, who you with." And and so I just you know at the end of the movie I scored the whole thing, and this was the song I wrote underneath her writing I'm、uh, reading the letter, and then it was just hums,、mm. you know, and then we picked out that song as the song to be the lead focus track to, to promote the movie, you know, because that's just what you do in, yeah, in films,、yeah. and、um, so I wrote le- I wrote the lyrics and finished the song, and.、Um, And that's where that came from. So brilliant, you know. Brilliant.、Um, for for me to be releasing a song, yeah, it's a little nerve wracking at first because it was like you know, it's not what I do anymore. I'm not out there promoting myself as an artist. But there is an artist in me still that that does yearn to be on stage. That does require a certain emotional feedback.、Um, And because I I'm isolated a lot in in what I do, it's very I'm doing it on my own right now.、Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons I left Four Non Blondes and left that career is because I'm just too sensitive. Like I don't like getting opinions. It hurts me too much, you know, when someone has a negative thing to say about something I've created, and I just emotionally can't handle it.、Mm-hmm. So hiding behind the producer desk and hiding behind other artists has done done, you know. Has、it's、been、worked. good for me. It's worked for you. you yeah, know, I was going to say it has worked、yeah. for me, and and so this song, putting out a video, and 
having Brad pitch it, you know, and sitting here talking to you about me and not about an artist that I'm working with or something, it does scratch, you know, um, you know, uh, wounds that I have that, um, I have been emotionally scarred with and, but, you know, I'm a big girl, I can handle it. And I love the song. I'm actually really proud of it. In fact, I think it's one of the best songs I've written since the song hurt, you know, um, with, um, for Christina and, um, it really touches me emotionally because I relate to it. Yeah. yeah. Obviously you can hear that, mm. you know, and you can see it in the video. If you haven't seen the video, it's like, I'm bare on the fucking video. It's like all on my fucking face, yeah, you know, yeah. my old aging weathered face, that whole video is on, you know, and I'm like, okay, well, fuck it. I'm just going to go for it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a lovely track, Linda, I, I must say. Um, and, you know, I'd encourage all of our listeners to go check it out, uh, the letter, um, which I just gave you a little snippet of. Um, it is so full of emotion, Linda, and, and it's almost mm-hmm. like it's almost like you've come full circle of, like, you know, using that raw emotion. Um, it's just kind of, a, I don't know, it's manifested in this, in this track, and, it, and it's just it's really nice, and I love that you're doing the whole movie scoring thing, which is something that you're really passionate about. Obviously um, it's pretty. Oh yeah. Pretty just incredible. watch. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to be the it person in there. Like <laughs> literally I'm going to blow all over on in film. I, I I'm so good at it I and it. I love it. Like it's my next chapter now. So awesome. So awesome. I'm so pleased that, um, that you've got all this all stuff right. going on, Linda. Yeah. We need to, we need to wrap it up there, but um, thank you so much for your time. It's been, it's so been so lovely to chat. Um, you take thank care you. and hopefully we'll catch up soon alright thanks thanks Headliner Radio supporting the creative community